Alex Berenson has been permanently suspended from Twitter. You know who Alex Berenson is. He's the former New York Times reporter. He used to report on Big Pharma for the New York Times. I think he worked there for 10 years. This last year and a half, he's been, Berenson has been essentially the leader. He's been certainly the most courageous reporter reporting what he calls the unreported truths about COVID-19. He's talked about vaccine mandates. He's talked about PCR tests. He's talked about death counts. He's talked about the efficacy of masks, all from a perspective of science. And I know all the experts claim that they're talking from a perspective of science, but Alex Berenson has actually looked at the scientific studies. He's picked apart methodology where it's been faulty. And he has, I mean, he's done a fabulous job. I think very highly of Alex Berenson's work. I've read all of his books that he's put out. Twitter, up until about a month ago, basically left him alone. Berenson was even in contact with um, a point person at Twitter who said, listen, regardless of whether we agree with you, you're not violating any of our terms and service. You know, you're not even on our list of people that we're looking at. Um, for their COVID disinformation efforts or whatever Twitter is calling it. Until recently, about a month ago, Berenson's tweets started getting smacked with a label of this is misleading information and this is false and here's a click, click this link to see the truth, that kind of BS that we see on Twitter all the time. Then about two weeks ago, Berenson got banned from Twitter for 12 hours. Then he came back after his suspension. He got banned for a week for tweeting something else about vaccines. And by the way, the stuff that he's tweeting is from the actual Pfizer studies, right? As I said, scientific studies. But even that, and I'll get to this in a second, it doesn't matter because even if Berenson is saying something that is his opinion and not just science, he should be allowed to say his opinion. But not on Twitter. Twitter has finally suspended him for good. He knew it was coming. Berenson had, I've talked to him personally. Um, he knew it was coming. Um, he wasn't going to self-censor to stop it. This is the tweet. Hold on. I have this tweet um, and I want to read it to you. This is the tweet that did him in in the eyes of Twitter. This is what he tweeted. He said, it doesn't stop infection or transmission. Don't think of it as a vaccine. Think of it at best as a therapeutic with a limited window of efficacy and terrible side effect profile that must be dosed in advance of illness. And we want to mandate it? Insanity. That's the tweet. That's the tweet that got him banned. Completely banned. He's gone from Twitter. He's not allowed to come back. He actually resurfaced on Twitter or rumor had it that it was him um, under the handle Jen Rescue. It was another verified account, um, but that was also suspended and banned already. So if it was him, he is now gone. You can reach Alex Berenson at alexberenson.substack.com. That is his newsletter. He will continue his reporting um, there. Also, I will be talking to Alex Berenson, interviewing him this week. So if you are a member of the Liz Wheeler Show community on Locals, you will get exclusive early access to that interview. It's going to be, you know, everything that we're now not allowed to say on Twitter. We are going to talk about it in that interview. So lizwheelershow.com slash locals. It's also, by the way, a good time not just to join Alex Berenson's Substack, but please join us on Locals because if this can happen to Alex Berenson on Twitter, it can and it will happen to us. And that's the thing that really gets me about this. I'm friends with Alex and so I feel personally, you know, I feel sympathetic for the plight that he is suffering. But think about this from the perspective of free speech, from the perspective of healthy discussion, from the perspective of science. We have devolved so much culturally in our nation that big tech in collusion with the federal government cannot even tolerate one dissenter on a microblogging platform without silencing him. That's how fearful they are of people who don't agree and adhere to their radical leftist ideology. They wanna mandate a vaccine. Half of the country doesn't think we should mandate the vaccine. Everyone in the country should have a right to decide whether or not they want to get it. The government wants to coerce you, to use the private sector as, a, as enforcers, to coerce you to get this vaccine, whether or not you want it. They want to make your life difficult. If you dissent, if you question 
not not just the safety, but the efficacy and the implications of a government mandate, then you're banned from big tech. You're kicked off of Twitter. And here's the thing. Again, even if what Alex Berenson were saying was not true, intentionally or otherwise, then I'm not saying it's not true. I'm just entertaining their premise. Even if what he were saying was not true, shouldn't he be allowed to say it? Because if not, if instead big tech becomes the arbiter of so-called truth, when truth isn't really fully established, it's just in the process of science, therefore discussion is healthy and proper, then what's the limiting principle? What won't big tech censor and stifle and shut down and ban in the name of shutting down quote-unquote disinformation and being the arbiters of truth? The answer to that is they will shut down all of us. It's just a matter of time. If we so much as disagree with the Democratic Party and their radical leftist ideology, I'm Liz Wheeler. Welcome to The Liz Wheeler Show. You won't believe what Democrats in the state of California, which again, just so you all know, I really love the state of California. I don't mean to trash it. I loved living there. I love almost everything about it, except, except the politics, except the government. But honestly, the government, the people should hold the government accountable because California is paradise and we shouldn't sacrifice it to these radical leftists. However, the Democrats in California are really outdoing themselves in dishonesty and tyranny. And we're gonna get to that in a moment. But first I wanna talk to you about trust and will. Now listen up for a second because We all know that we need one, but most of us, if we're being honest, we put off creating a trust or a will because it's too complex, it's expensive, or maybe we just don't want to face our own mortality. Well, now it doesn't have to be such a big deal. At trustandwill.com, setting up an estate plan, it's simple, it's convenient, it's secure, and for as little as $39, you can nominate guardians for your kids, you can determine who gets your stuff in the event of your death, and you can plan for future medical care all from the comfort of your home. Now, hiring a traditional estate attorney can cost thousands of dollars. It's expensive. It might not be personalized to you, but trust and will. Their documents are designed by estate planning experts and they're customized to the state you live in. They also have live customer support seven days a week so you can get all your questions answered. Trust and Will is the most trusted name in online estate planning, the most trusted name. So gain peace of mind at trustandwill.com slash Liz. And if you use my name, trustandwill.com slash Liz, then you will get 10% off plus free shipping of your customized legal documents. Don't wait, go right now. This is really important. Get 10% off plus free shipping at trustandwill.com slash Liz. Trustandwill.com slash Liz. It's the responsible thing to do and you'll be glad you did it. Okay, the governor of California, I like to call him the tyrant King Gavin because his actions remind me of uh, the British tyrant King George during the revolutionary era. Um, The tyrant King Gavin, this This is below even him. He is pretending to care about uh, what he has done to his state, of course, because we're now two weeks away from the recall election. Um, He's pretending to care, and so he grabbed a broom. I kid you not. I I would love, by the way, to know what PR agency um, advised him to do this, because whoever advised him to do this should immediately be fired. He has grabbed a broom, and he is pretending to sweep up the streets near homeless camps, all the while giving an interview. He's being followed around by a news organization that's writing a glowing profile on him as he pretends to be the working man. Sweep, sweep, sweep. All uh, all of the you-know-what that is strewn in his path in California, the result of Gavin Newsom as governor. It, I mean, such a freaking loser. Look at this guy. Look at this photo. Even his supporters know that he is a faker and a hack. 
a faker and a hack. I just pray to God that he loses in this recall election on September 14th. I pray to God that he is kicked out of office because like I said, I love the state of California. I don't want to see it descend into this radical leftist, I don't even know the proper word here, this hell of radical leftism uh, that it is hurtling towards at the moment. And Gavin Newsom has been one of the drivers on that bus. What's even worse is the Democrats in California, the Democrats up in Sacramento in the state assembly and the state Senate, they're sneaky little, they're sneaky little things up there and they are planning. They're waiting. They're not doing it right now because they don't want to rattle the constituents in the state of California, the citizens, the voters. They are planning to issue a massive vaccine mandate, but only after the recall election. Sneaky. Very sneaky, very shady, very slimy. So the Sacramento Bee obtained uh, a leaked version of this legislation that the California Democrats are planning. And it, it's sort of a copy of the legislation, or not the legislation, pardon pardon my error. You would think in a representative democracy, a constitutional republic like we live in, that this would be done in other states via legislation. But no, no, in New York, it was done just by edict from the governor. So uh, it is a copy of the edict from New York, which would require restaurants, bars, gyms, movie theaters, hotels, sports stadiums, all this private industry to act as enforcers to force people to show proof of vaccination or else be denied entry. So make no mistake, the Democrats in the state of California up in Sacramento, they want to uh, issue this, this statewide, this blanket vaccine mandate but they know it's very unpopular with people. They know that people don't want this. They know that people believe this is tyranny. They know people will associate this tyranny with Gavin Newsom, the governor, because the governor supports it. So they're planning on waiting until after the recall election, hoping that they will win. Because once they win, what are people to do? So the reason I say that the governor supports this, it's not just in theory, because we've seen what a tyrant uh, Gavin Newsom is. He's literally advising these Democrats. He's advising the Democrats on the mechanism and the wording and everything about this, everything about this piece of legislation. This legislation um, was is going to be introduced, or the person behind it, I should say, is Assemblywoman Buffy Wicks. And that's a name you're going to want to remember because there, there are several prominent Democrats who spearhead the radical leftist policies at the state level in California. Uh, state Senator Scott Wiener is one, and Assemblywoman Buffy Wicks is another. Um, so remember that name because... She uh, told the Sacramento Bee that she's not sure whether lawmakers are going to consider this piece of legislation, this potential new law, before the current session ends on September 10th, or perhaps wait for when lawmakers can reconvene in January. And again, why? Why, Assemblywoman? Why would you wait? If it is so dangerous for people to be unvaccinated, if it is so serious of a thing that would require a government mandate to infringe upon people's individual liberty to force them to get vaccinated... Why would you wait five months? Doesn't that urgency require you to introduce this right this very minute? Do this as quickly as possible so that no more people die. Oh, oh wait, you don't wanna do it immediately because if you do it immediately, it's a political loser, which just proves to us that your narrative justifying this mandate, saying that it's so urgent it'll save people's lives, is BS because you wouldn't wait five more months if it was really that urgent. It's a political bill, as it's always been. These vaccine mandates have always been about politics and not about COVID-19. Not about COVID-19 at all. And by the way, 
when I say that the majority of the state of California is opposed to vaccine mandates, there was a poll done by Emerson. It was an Emerson Nexstar poll, found that just 35% of people in California support vaccine mandates, 51% oppose. Think about the demographics for a second. Think about the demographics, Republicans and Democrats in that state. California is a pretty blue state right now. Now, we know that those blue voters are concentrated in the big cities, Sacramento, San Francisco, Los Angeles, maybe even San Diego, and that in the more rural areas, it's, or, you know, Orange County, for example, it's more Republican. But think about if you have a blue state, and yet just this bare minimum, this 35% support a vaccine mandate, and 51% oppose it, yeah, these Democrats are scared. They're scared. Now, I, I care so deeply about this California recall election for a couple of reasons. First of all, like I said, I lived in California for almost a decade. I love California. San Diego specifically, it's paradise. It's a wonderful place to live. However, it is truly being corrupted by the leftist policies that are being imposed on the people at um, at the state level. It is being corrupted. You are taxed out of house and home. And speaking of homes, homes are unaffordable. There's all kinds of leftist policies that really are, I mean, causing people to leave the state. And that's sad to see. So on that level, it's personal to me. But on a political level, California is, in my opinion, a bellwether for what's going to happen with COVID-19 public policy. And what I mean by that is if if people in the state of California, regardless of their political affiliation, can look at what Gavin Newsom has done. And Gavin Newsom has been one of the most tyrannical governors in the entire in the entire country during COVID-19, maybe right up there tied with Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer and uh, former New York Governor Andrew Cuomo. But if the people of California see what Gavin Newsom is doing, that his mandates have caused 14,000 private businesses to close down, that his mandates, I mean, he kicked me The police kicked me out of a park. I was sitting on a grassy hill in a park in San Diego a year and a half ago and over probably 100 yards, 200 yards away from anybody else and police came up to me. They were the closest contact I had. They came up to me and kicked me out of a park because Gavin Newsom had shut down the parks. And if the people of California don't recall Gavin Newsom, then I don't know, how how is that not a bellwether of what the American people are willing to tolerate, whether they have this spine the gumption to fight back against this government tyranny. And on the opposite side of this, this is a bellwether for politicians too, because they know if they have such a radical leftist governor like Gavin Newsom, who issued all of these mandates, who is such a hypocrite on top of it, whose children went to private school in person as he mandated Zoom school, who shut down restaurants as he attended the French laundry, that dinner at the French laundry without masks because other people are forced to wear them even outside If Democrats across the country look at Gavin Newsom and see, well, he could do it and he got away with it and the people had an opportunity to say no and they didn't take that opportunity, then they're going to use that as permission, as justification to continue their tyranny in other states. This, I cannot overstate the importance of this California recall election. If you're not involved, get involved. Make calls. If you're not not thinking you're comfortable voting, get comfortable voting. Vote him out. Get rid of this guy because... As I said, this really is a glimpse into what um, into what COVID-19 is going to become in our country or whether the people are going to stop this. Because government, when they take away a freedom, they're never going to give it back to you. The people have to take back their freedom if they want it. Because once the government has usurped it, they're going to keep it unless the people say stop and take that back. That's what we're seeing in California right now. And I wish I could say that's the only 
way that the California Democrats are trying to sneak through this vaccine mandate um, with this bill that they're not going to introduce despite the urgency until perhaps January because of the recall election. But no, there's another bill called Assembly Bill 455. It's introduced, I told you to remember her name, by Assemblywoman Buffy Wicks. She's uh, from Oakland, by the way, if anyone was interested. And this bill is uh, purportedly a transportation bill. It was intended to authorize the Bay Area Toll Authority to designate transit-only traffic lanes on the San Francisco-Oakland Bay Bridge. Okay, transportation-related, cool. It's in consultation with the Department of Transportation, et cetera, et cetera. However, the Democrats in the state of California are using a tactic called gut and amend. Gut and amend is literally exactly what it sounds like. It guts the original intention of the bill and it said provides amendments that change what the bill is about without changing the title of the bill. It's a super sneaky, slimy tactic that prevents voters from seeing the reality of what's in bills, therefore having a chance to review them and let their representatives know whether or not constituents, voters, citizens, support or oppose these bills. Instead, it allows lawmakers to hide the truth. That's exactly what's happening with Assembly Bill 455. It is titled as a transportation bill. It was once a transportation bill, but there are amendments on this bill now. And amendment number five is the one to focus on. This is what it reads from the legislation itself. Notwithstanding any other law, an establishment as as defined in subdivision B shall require each person who is eligible to receive the COVID-19 vaccine who seeks to enter the indoor facilities of that establishment to show proof Uh, to an employee or authorized agent of the establishment that the person has been vaccinated against COVID-19. End quote. So what was once a transportation bill is now a vaccine mandate bill, but because the Democrats use this sneaky tactic called gut and amend, they're doing it behind people's backs. Why are they doing it behind people's backs? Well, refer to the poll we talked about just five minutes ago because the majority of people in the state of California, regardless of their political affiliation, oppose vaccine mandates. They oppose them. But the Democrats don't care. They want to ram this uh, ram this through anyway. You have an opportunity, people of California, to stop this. Please do. Now, lest you think that this madness is just contained to the state of California, wait until you hear what Fauci wants to mandate for people all across the country. We're going to talk about that in a second. But first, let's talk about the spectator. We talk about how terrible the mainstream media is so often. And it's deserved to talk about how terrible the mainstream media is. But where do you turn? What news organization or magazine do you read when all the mainstream media has been corrupted? That's why I want to talk about The Spectator. As the world's longest running magazine in the world, The Spectator believes that journalism must be witty and insightful, that ideas should be discussed without the constant threat of cancellation, which is what I like to hear. The Spectator never confuses the serious with the dull. It isn't right-wing or left-wing. It believes in challenging, informing, and entertaining readers. As a publication, The Spectator believes that life is bigger than politics. That's why they cover art, culture, food, wine, travel, and life all around. So sign up today and you'll receive three months free of both the print and digital magazine plus a free Spectator hat. All you have to do is use the offer code Liz at checkout to redeem that special offer just for listeners of this podcast. Spectatorworld.com slash special offer and use the offer code Liz. I love The Spectator because it's dedicated to wit, strong reasoning, brilliant writing. There's a bunch of great contributors. Um, They'll entertain you from cover to cover. So sign up today to get three months of The Spectator for free. Spectatorworld.com slash special offer. Use the offer code Liz at checkout to redeem your offer. Spectatorworld.com slash special offer. Offer code Liz. So where does this tyranny that we're discussing end? Maybe it begins in California. Maybe it began in New York. Maybe it began with Dr. Fauci. Maybe it did begin with Dr. Fauci. And Dr. Fauci's the one perpetuating this. We've heard Dr. Fauci 
slowly morph from, oh, I think people should voluntarily do this. We don't need masks to now supporting employer-based vaccine mandates. And by the way, employer-based is, is not even an accurate portrayal of what's happening. It's government using the private sector as enforcers to coerce people to get vaccinated. So it's not simply a, a, a matter of the free market here dictating what's going on. But don't let me get too much off on that tangent. Now Dr. Fauci says your child in public school, didn't even actually say public school, he just said school child, should be forced under penalty of not being allowed to attend school to get the COVID-19 vaccine. Take a listen to this. You know, I know that a lot of people will be pushing back against that, but if you get the imprimatur about the safety and the strong benefit risk ratio for the children, when that gets established, which I believe it certainly will, by the FDA and the ACIP, I believe that mandating vaccines for children to appear in school is a good idea. And remember, Jake, this is not something new. We have mandates in many places in schools, particularly public schools, that if in fact you want a child to come in, we've done this for decades and decades, requiring polio, measles, mumps, rubella, hepatitis. So this would not be something new, requiring vaccinations for children to come to school. He believes it's a good idea. And he compares this, by the way, to other vaccines that are mandated in public schools, the MMR, the polio vaccine, hepatitis. Uh, he says this would be nothing new. So first of all, there's several problems with this. First of all, this is a new vaccine because it's not the same type of vaccine using an attenuated virus. At least the Pfizer and the Moderna use an mRNA uh, technology. So no, it is not the same and it is something new. Secondly, this is why people like me have said for years now that um, vaccine mandates for public school without a philosophical or religious exemption is a slippery slope. Because my argument, I remember when this happened in the state of California and in the state of Maine, specifically, they, uh, they discarded, they prohibited religious exemptions for vaccine requirements for kids in public school. And I spoke out against that. I said, it doesn't matter what you think of vaccines itself. This isn't a pro-vax or anti-vax uh, position whatsoever. It, it, it matters not what you think of vaccines. It does matter what the government mandates people to do because of what is the limiting principle. That's the question that must be asked. What is the limiting principle if we allow government not only to mandate vaccines, but to prohibit religious exemptions? I literally said this two, three, four years ago when California and Maine prohibited banned religious exemptions for vaccine. And we now have, this, have the answer. This is what it leads to. This is the slippery slope. Government officials are going to use that as precedent, as justification for requiring what your preschooler your three-year-old, your four-year-old, your five-year-old to get the mRNA vaccine for COVID-19 when COVID-19 is not something that is particularly dangerous to your child, that your child still statistically has a higher percentage chance of dying from the flu should he or she contract that than dying from COVID-19 should he or she contract that. But this is, this is what Fauci wants to do. This is where the tyranny starts. The tyranny starts by government mandating something and not allowing you to get an exemption to it, prohibiting exemptions. We all, and again, we can talk about hypothetical or we can talk about concrete stories of where people's individual rights are being grossly violated by government officials. There's a woman in Chicago by the name of Rebecca Furlett. She uh, has gone public with her story because she says a Cook County judge by the name of James Shapiro, Judge James Shapiro has stripped her right to see her child because she has not received the COVID-19 vaccine. Now, this woman, 
got divorced, what, 10 years ago, I believe. And she has periodic custody-related hearings because she shares custody with her ex, the father of her child, the father of her son. And arbitrarily, out of the blue, this judge, James Shapiro, by the way, this was not even requested by the father. This was completely arbitrary. The judge told her that she was not allowed to see her son anymore until and unless she got the COVID-19 vaccine. This is, this is a quote from, from Rebecca Furlitt. She says, I miss my son more than anything. It's been very difficult. I haven't seen him since August 10th. August 10th is the day that the judge told her she was no longer allowed to see her 11-year-old son unless she got the vaccine. I mean, can you imagine the repercussions of this? Can you imagine, like, where does this end? What is the limiting principle? This is not a threat to this child that we're aware of in any way. He's telling her that if she does not inject herself with this vaccine, even though she has had, by the way, the reason that she doesn't want to inject herself with this vaccine, not that the reason should matter. She should be able to exercise this judgment regardless of whether we agree with it. But the reason that she is declining this vaccine is because she had bad reactions to vaccines in the past. It's a medical reason. It's not even philosophical or religious. Not that those aren't valid. They are. But this is a medical reason. And the judge is saying, too bad. Doesn't matter if you've had bad reactions in the past. You're not allowed to see your own child until you get vaccinated. That's where we are. That's what the government does when we allow them, when we the people allow tyrannical politicians to get away with this kind of mandates. Again, this is why it's so important to recall Gavin Newsom. We the people cannot let politicians get away with their tyranny or else they will just continue to trample on our freedom, our liberty, and our, our inherent God-given rights. Like I said, unless we stop them, unless we kick them out of office. Again, I don't want to play too much with a hypothetical here. I want to play with concrete examples here. And so we can look around the world to see what's happening too. In New Zealand, the premier of Queensland announced that the government you won't even believe this, is building a dedicated regional quarantine facility. That's what she's calling it. A dedicated regional quarantine facility. She said, as we contend with the dangerous Delta variant, we need fit-for-purpose quarantine facilities. These are COVID camps. The government is building COVID camps in New Zealand where people, I assume, sick with COVID, maybe, we don't know, Maybe it's just people that have been exposed to COVID. Remember that terrible bill that New York State introduced at the beginning of this? They wanted to have dedicated state-sponsored COVID uh, quarantine camps too, where anybody, if they'd even been suspected of coming into contact with someone who possibly had COVID, that the government could forcibly detain them in this COVID detention facility. Maybe that's what's happening in New Zealand. I don't know. They haven't detailed who exactly will be put in this dedicated regional quarantine facility built by the government and whether people have a right to leave if they want to leave. This is what happens. This is the end of the line. Again, I'm not trying to speak in hyperbole here. I'm not trying to fear monger. I'm just saying this is the reality of the situation. This is the reality of what government officials do when given the opportunity. And we the people have the opportunity to stop them here in the United States because we have the power of elections. We have the power of our vote. Exercise that. Also, um, in the absence of an immediate opportunity to vote, we also have the power of protest. The French citizens um, are protesting vaccine mandates right now, and they're doing it in a very peaceful and I think very effective way. Um, French citizens this past week gathered in front of restaurants who are requiring the vaccine for entry. They gathered and ate picnics in front of the restaurants. It's absolutely fabulous. Take a look at this video. 
So essentially, first of all, for those of you, and I forgot to do this before I played that video, for those of you who are listening and not watching, that video showed literally dozens and dozens, probably hundreds and hundreds of people who had set up towels and blankets and picnic areas outside of these restaurants. The restaurants, by the way, in the wake of the vaccine mandates are basically empty. So you have all these crowds of people who are saying, okay, you don't want us in your restaurant. We're going to eat in front of your place of establishment to tell you that we won't eat at your restaurant while you're mandating what you're mandating. So kudos to the French people for standing up. This is what we, the American people, should be doing too in the face of these mandates. But here's the thing. To talk philosophically for a second and to, I guess, marry the philosophical with the practical, there are going to be either one or two, one of two results of the vaccine mandates across our country. Either people are going to slowly cave to government coercion, and as a result of that, we lose our liberty as a free people to tyrannical government that threatens our freedoms if we don't comply with their agenda. And yes, vaccines will be first here, but then everything else will come next. So either we cave to government coercion and lose our liberty, or the government uses the private sector to enforce, which is what some states are doing. Half of the people in the event of this private sector enforcement of vaccine mandates, half the people still refuse to partake in um, those places, whether it's restaurants, bars, gyms, what have you. They refuse the vaccine, therefore um, they, re they don't participate in these places of business. Therefore, more private businesses go out of business, more even than went out of business because of the lockdowns. The result of this is our economy is eventually going to completely collapse. We can't. We don't have this endless amount of this endless ability to just handle business after business after business closing without the economy collapsing. So eventually, our economy is going to collapse. So when that begins to happen, government officials who know that they'll be voted out of office if the economy completely collapses, they're going to put more pressure on citizens, mandating vaccine passports for even essential businesses, perhaps grocery stores. Maybe that's where they'll focus next. And once again. Either people will cave and we will lose our liberty or protests like the French people will erupt around the country until government officials cave and revoke the mandates, until we kick the tyrants out of office and reclaim our freedom. Because as I said, either we lose our freedom or we the people reclaim it. Government will never give it back. And if we operate under that premise that just waiting one more month, waiting till the end of the pandemic, waiting until the season is over, the seasonal outbreak is over, waiting until this uh, curve has been flattened. It's futile. Government will never give it back until we reclaim it. And so it's incumbent on us to do that. Let's do that. Perhaps the saddest thing to talk about, and for some reason, I don't know what it is about um, this particular incidence in Afghanistan, this outbreak of violence in Afghanistan, the terror attacks that have killed American uh, citizens, uh, members of our military in Afghanistan. Maybe it's the preventability of the thing that's really gotten to me, but whatever it is, this has really hit me in the guts, um, perhaps even more than other tragedies have in the past. And I, I want to talk about some really important things um, regarding Afghanistan in just a second. But first, I want to talk about Truebill. Do you know why free trials for subscription services renew on their own automatically without your consent? It's basically a business strategy of these subscription services. And the purpose of it is obviously to get your money. 
Um, there's a solution, however, if you don't want these greedy corporations to pocket your money. The solution is called Truebill. Truebill is a new app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions that you either don't need, you don't want, or you simply forgot about if you're like me. On average, people who use Truebill save up to $720 a year. Because companies make subscriptions hard to cancel, Truebill makes it incredibly simple. Here's how it works. You just link your accounts and Truebill will cancel your unwanted subscriptions in one tap. That's all you have to do, one tap. Or your Truebill concierge is there when you need them to cancel unwanted subscriptions if you don't want to do it yourself. Uh, Truebill's had over 2 million users. They've helped them save $100 million. There was one user who saved $666 for the year on his DirecTV bill, $120 for the year on his Sirius XM bill, $840 a year on car insurance. I mean, the examples abound here. So don't fall for subscription scams. Start canceling today at Truebill.com slash Liz. Go right now, Truebill.com slash Liz. It could save you thousands a year. Truebill.com slash Liz. So one of the most heartrending, I cried my eyes out, to be honest, one of the most heartrending videos um, that I have seen, or I guess listened to, because this was audio, was the mother of one of the Marines who was recently killed in Afghanistan. Um, the Marine's name was Riley James McCollum, killed in the terror attack in Afghanistan last week. And his mother called into a radio show, called him to Wilco Majority um, to talk about what killed her son and... Like I said, I don't even know how to properly introduce this clip because it is the most devastating, the most heartrending thing that we should all listen to. Take a listen. I'm going to take this call. I'm going to start with calls here. Kathy, Colorado, you're on the Wilcount Majority. Hello. Hey, my son was one of the Marines that died yesterday. Your and to son... listen to that. Sorry. I'm on the radio. No, 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 no. Um, go, go My ahead. son uh, was one of the Marines that died yesterday. 20 years and six months old, getting ready to come home from freaking Jordan to be with his wife to watch the birth of his son. And that feckless, dementia-ridden piece of crap just sent my son to die. I woke up at four o'clock this morning to Marines at my door telling me my son was dead. So to have her on right before me and listen to that piece of crap, talk about diplomatic crap with freaking Taliban terrorists who just freaking blew up my son and know nothing to not say anything about, oh my God, I'm so sorry for the families. So my son is gone. And I just want all you Democrats who cheated in the election or who voted for him legitimately, you just killed my son. It's hard to know what to even say after listening to that, except um, my thoughts and my prayers. I mean, heartfelt, tearful prayers are with not only his wife and his unborn child, but his mother and his family. And it is true. That's, that's the part I think that's getting everybody maybe even differently this time. It is true that the reason that these men and women were killed by terrorists was because of political choices made by Joe Biden. And it, it, you just can't mentally get over that hump. You can't mentally come to grips with that because this young man had his life in front of him. His child is going to be born without a father because of what Joe Biden did. Again, it's, it's 
beyond comprehension in a second. In, in, in fact, um, there's a U.S. Marine active duty named L- Lieutenant Colonel Stuart Scheller um, who has been relieved of duty for publishing the following video. And I, I mean, this takes incredible courage, incredible bravery to throw away a military career, especially he'd served for 17 years. That means he's three years away from retirement. Um, and he threw this all away to demand accountability because nobody in the military, especially at the highest levels, has been taking responsibility for what was done to these young men and women who lost their lives needlessly. And Lieutenant Colonel Stuart Scheller calls out specifically um, military brass, meaning the senior leadership of the military who are responsible for this. Take a listen. Not making this video because um, it's you know potentially an emotional time, making it because I have a growing discontent and contempt for my perceived ineptitude at the foreign policy level. And I want to specifically ask some questions to some of my senior leaders. And I'll say, as a person that's not at 20 years, um, I feel like I have a lot to lose. If you play chess, you can only see two to three moves out because there's too many variables. I thought through if, if I post this video, what might happen to me, especially if the video picks up traction, if I have the courage to post it. But I think what you believe in can only be defined by what you're willing to risk. So if I'm willing to risk my current battalion commander's seat, my retirement, my family's stability to say some of the things that I want to say, I think it gives me some moral high ground to demand the same honesty, integrity, accountability from my senior leaders. And so I want to start with, we'll just use the Marine Corps, my, we'll just stick with the Marine Corps. So in the current fallout of Afghanistan, a lot of Marines were posting on social media And in response to that, the Commandant published a letter, which is the service chief of the Marine Corps. And I want to read from it. It was dated 18 August, so only a week ago. The Commandant, sir, you wrote, some of you may be struggling with a simple question. Was it all worth it? We want you to know that your service is meaningful, powerful, and important. You fought for the Marine to your left and the Marine to your right. You never let them down. Then you go on to say that, you know, if we're we're struggling, we should should seek counseling, which, you know, I get it. People have killed people. I've killed people and I, and I seek counseling um, and that's fine. There's a time and place for that. But the reason people are so upset on social media right now is not because the Marine on the battlefield let someone down. That service member has always rose to the occasion, done extraordinary things. People are upset because their senior leaders let them down and none of them are raising their hands and accepting accountability or saying, we messed this up. If an 05 battalion commander has uh, the simplest live fire incident EO complaint, boom, fired. But we have a secretary of defense that testified to Congress in May that the Afghan National Security Force could withstand the Taliban advance. We have chairmen of Joint Chief, who the commandant is a member of that, who's supposed to advise on military policy. We have a Marine combatant commander. All of these people are supposed to advise. And I'm not saying we've got to be in the in Afghanistan forever, but I am saying... Did any of you throw your rank on the table and say, hey, it's a bad idea to evacuate Bagram Airfield, the strategic air barriers, before we evacuate everyone? Did anyone do that? And when you didn't think to do that, did anyone raise their hand and say, we completely messed this up? I've got battalion commander friends right now that are posting similar things, and they're saying, you know, wondering if it, all the lives were lost and if it was in vain, all those, all those people that we've lost over the last you know, 20 years.
I want to say this very strongly. I have been fighting for 17 years. I am willing to throw it all away to say to my senior leaders, I demand accountability. So in the wake of that video, Lieutenant Colonel Stuart Scheller um, announced on his Facebook page, quote, I've been relieved for cause based on a lack of trust and confidence. And by the way, for anybody who is non-military listening to that, that's standard. Um, whenever someone is fired from their job in the military, that's very standard language um, for why. So don't necessarily read into any of those particular words. That's the, that's the language that's always used whenever someone is uh, relieved of their job. Um, again, Lieutenant Colonel Stuart Schaller knew what was going to happen if he released this video. He knew that he would lose um, his job. He knew that he would potentially even face legal repercussions. He actually released a second video that said that he was not facing legal repercussions um, at all, that essentially what was happening is the Marines, in a sense, wanted to brush this under the rug. So they offered him, um, or by not instigating legal action, it was... Um, an offer, one will say, of just serving out your three three years and then get out. Just serve and get out, brush it under the rug. And he could have done that and maintained his retirement, maintained you know his disability that he would get from the VA. And Lieutenant Colonel Stuart Scheller decided not to. He actually tendered his resignation. He resigned his commission in the United States Marine Corps um, because he said that would be compromising his principles, that if he was quiet from now on, he would be quite, he would suffer in silence for not standing up for what's right because the accountability that he called for has not been tendered. So he was offered to continue on in the Marine Corps and he chose not to because he said, I can't do that and be quiet. And um, when there's zero accountability, when my brothers and sisters in arms have died because of this administration. So here's what I propose. Here's what I propose. The next Republican president should reinstate Lieutenant Colonel Stuart Scheller because what he's calling for shouldn't be controversial. He's calling for accountability because at some level, and this we know this is the highest level, at some level in the military, the generals should have said to Joe Biden, what you're doing is going to cause the death of young men and women in the United States military. And it's going to cause their death needlessly. We cannot support the action that you're taking. And if you take this action, we will resign from advising you. We will resign from our positions. But none of them did that. None of them did that. And so we should be asking the question, who knew about this plan in advance and knew the repercussions and allowed it to go forward without resigning because he wanted his seat in power? That's why Lieutenant Colonel Scheller resigned rather than serving out his three years. The next Republican president should not only reinstate him, but demand accountability because we know who is responsible for the deaths. Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, Secretary of State Blinken, Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin, and yes, never Trump voters who voted for Joe Biden because they thought he was moderate. They wanted to return to normalcy. He was a common sense Democrat. Those people that voted Biden into office, make no mistake, the mother of Riley McCollum was correct. This would never have happened under Donald Trump, regardless of what you think of his tweets, what you think of his demeanor, what you think of his mean words. Donald Trump would never have allowed this to happen to our U.S. service members. And by the way, there was a new poll um, that showed that the vast majority of Americans support staying in Afghanistan until all Americans and all American allies are evacuated from the country. 
This is what Joe Biden is facing right now. The vast majority of Americans across both political parties want us to stay in Afghanistan until all Americans are safely evacuated. All of our allies are safely evacuated. But Joe Biden is adhering to the Taliban's deadline. The Taliban telling him that he has to get out of Afghanistan. And so, by the way, I hate to be the one to predict bad news, but mark my words, there will be a hostage, hostage situation. We will see bloodshed. This will happen. We'll check back tomorrow because the deadline for withdrawal is 3.29 p.m. Eastern time on Tuesday, today. That corresponds to 11.59 p.m. of Kabul time. We'll see what happens. And by the way, I spoke with uh, retired Brigadier General Anthony Tata uh, this week. Locals VIPs can get early access to this interview. He was one of the commanding generals in Afghanistan back in 2005, 2006, 2007, that era. And he talked about what decisions at a political level led to the chaos that we're now experiencing, led to the situation that Biden is facing, led to this and how it could have been prevented, how we could have won that war. I highly recommend you go and listen to that. Um, on that note, the great and powerful Jay Hay says, I gotta stop talking for today. I know, I could have gone on for a long time. I'll be back tomorrow. In the meantime, think for yourself, use critical thought, question authority, follow the facts, and don't let government or corporate wokeism or cultural Marxism or cancel culture or anybody bully you into being a sheep. Please subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts. Give us a five-star rating. Write us a glowing review. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. I'm Liz Wheeler. This is The Liz Wheeler Show. The Liz Wheeler Show is produced by Jonathan Hay. Executive producer, Chad Abbott. Director of photography, Kevin McRoberts. Editor, Alejandro Figuerilla. Assistant editor, Michael Wall. Sound mixer, Robin Fenderson. Post-production manager, Victoria Metzel. Director of marketing, Emily Washler. Production and talent coordinator, Matt Toffler. And senior publicist, Patricia Jackson. This has been a Soundfront production.